One of the questions I get asked most frequently online is, how did you end up consulting? Can you tell me your career story? Hi, it's Lani and welcome back to my channel. I'm not sure whether this is going to appear on Spotify and Apple as an On Track with Lani Fogelberg podcast episode, but if you're listening to it there, obviously it's made it there. Otherwise, if you're on YouTube, thank you for tuning in. I'm going to go through a rundown of my career story today and I really enjoy sharing this story with people because I feel like when someone asks another person this question, how did you get into this? What is your career story? How did you make your money? Oh my goodness, it's another one. They're kind of expecting some kind of grand, exciting story or some kind of secret to come out or some special technique or edge. And in some cases, don't get me wrong, people have these incredible, not overnight success stories, but just like quite miraculous stories, right? But I feel like my own story is kind of boring. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm completely honest, I hope that doesn't discourage you from listening. But I am nearly 35 as at now, which is September 2023. I am going to detail, I reckon it's only going to take me about 10 or 15 minutes, my career story right from the time that I was 18 or well, 17 or 18, which is when I finished school basically. Filming this, of course, in the On Track with Lani Fogelberg studio, just checking across in the camera because I did have some issues with my last uh, podcast episode a few a few episodes back where I was positioned funny in the frame and then the captions on TikTok were on shorts were all like over my mouth. Anyway, I digress. So let's dive into the story. Picture the nerdiest person who's at like the top of the class teacher's pet all through younger years of school that annoying kid that was me and then at high school I kind of grew into myself a little bit more um, what I do know now is that in high school I started masking my autism a uh, whole other story <laughs> check out some of my videos which I've done recently which you'll find I'll get my editor Steph to put them Somewhere in this video, um, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, you do have to head to YouTube to to hear about that. But where I just talk about, uh, it's been three months now since I was diagnosed and um, I've spoken a little bit about my diagnostic process on there. But anyway, I apparently started masking when I was a teenager. And then as I got a little bit older, I was that kid who should have, sorry, I think I'm a bit too close to the mic, that kid who should have gone to uni, but didn't, right? So I was like the smart kid. And to be fair, I was in a group of friends, like all my friends are very, very intelligent, like really intellectual people. Um, but I think if anyone asked the group, like who should go to uni and do some like wacky high powered degree, they probably would have been like Lans. Um, but I didn't go, right? So let's talk about that first. I went to all the different open days, engineering, health science, you name it, Auckland University, AUT. I'm based in Auckland, New Zealand. That's where I grew up. And I have always been interested in lots of different things. Lots of different things take my fancy and I get very invested into the things that I'm interested in. And I've been through so many different phases, especially throughout my teenage years, right? And just keep myself a little bit more comfy. Lean back here. Does that work? Yeah, that kind of works. I don't want to mess up the frame again. Um, so when I applied to university, right, I applied for like engineering, music, business, I think, commerce, health science, 
one other, can't remember, but I applied for lots and I got into them all. And here in New Zealand, when you apply to uni, you basically apply. Then it gets accepted and you get offered a place and then you have to accept your place. So I'd applied, been accepted, and I was getting towards the deadline, maybe the end of 2006 or early 2007, where you have to accept your place. And I couldn't decide. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. And I distinctly remember the day my mum, she had one of her best girlfriends over. I think they were sitting out on the deck chatting. And my mum's friend, Rhonda, said, well, there's a job going at my work as a receptionist. Why don't you apply for that? And my mum's like, yeah, why don't you just get a job? And I was like, oh, yeah, why don't, why don't I just get a job, right? <laughs> so I did. I went and got a job. It wasn't that job, but I did end up going and getting a job as a receptionist. So my first job, receptionist, and it was for a company called Redeal, which was uh, a French-owned company which owns – uh, basically a bunch of different electrical supplies, retail stores and wholesale businesses in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, among other things, electrical. Um, so it was just a, a kind of head office type scenario in like a commercial industrial area of Auckland, not in the city, not like corporate vibes, you know, like you see all these young women posting online and I'm like, this is not what my first job was like. Um, but it was amazing. My salary was $30,000, which I was stoked with because I was expecting to only get about 28 in my first job. So when I was offered 30000 I was like, this is amazing. Um, and I started that job in February 2007. So looking back, showing my age oh my god I had to open these mail bags which my hands are in the camera more than what you can see on the screen anyway there was like they were this big mail like mail paper stuff right open that every day um answered the phones made teas and coffees um made I had the most amazing colleague who I'm still in touch with and friends with to this day Hayley if you're listening Love you so much. Oh my God. We had the best time and she was like the admin kind of officer or support person. And then we had this same boss who again was so wonderful to me. Like if I ever ran into her, I would just be so thankful. Um, And yeah, between the three of us, we handled like a bunch of administration for the whole company, which included like fleet management, travel, heaps of stuff. Anyway, I had a great time. I loved it. Um, After about a year and a bit, a job came up in the paper, which is where we saw jobs um, back in that day, to work as a personal assistant at a Porsche dealership. And I loved cars, right? Especially when I was a teenager. Like, I like cars now. People think I'm obsessed and love cars. I, I, I really don't. Like, I like cars now. But back then, I was kind of just really into them, right? And I was like, oh, that would be so cool go and work at a Porsche dealership, Um, applied, didn't get the job. They gave it to someone who was a little bit older and more experienced. But it got me thinking that, oh, I could go get a job in the car industry and that would be so, so cool. That would be so cool. So I ended up a few months later getting a job at a group of car dealerships, which had a bunch of different brands. They had like Subaru, Hyundai, Kia, Suzuki which was going nuts at the time because like Suzuki Swifts had become the number one selling passenger vehicle in New Zealand 
And I got a sales support slash reception slash PA role there. I can't remember what my salary was. I think it was closer to $40,000, like maybe thirty-eight or something. Um, and that was a really cool environment to go into for me. It was like, it was very lads environment. And it's funny because looking back, like that stuff probably wouldn't be tolerated in a work environment anymore. Like it was, you know, what, 15? How long ago was that? Oh my God. I was 19. It was 15 years ago freaky 2008 so second job right sales support PA reception and that had heaps of like data management I did some marketing I did all sorts of things in that job and I really enjoyed it it was really really cool Um, and I don't really remember how the transition actually started but I think I was just very probably very annoying to my boss at the time but I was very hungry for more I was like give me more work what can I do like I'm happy to step up more 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 what happened is that one of the finance managers was going to be leaving there were two for the whole dealership because it was quite a big operation selling well over 100 cars every month and I think I must have put my hand up and be like can I do that job? And finance manager is a massive step up because you're interacting with customers a lot more. You're basically selling finance. And this is probably the point that I should mention. I've always had a numbers brain. If you guys have been following me for a long time, like you would know that. (laughs) Now I know the autism, it helps. Um, But having a real numbers brain, like a real knack for accounting, all of that kind of thing. And the nature of the dealership was that we dealt with a lot of quite like well-off middle-class clientele. They're buying like new Subarus, new Suzukis, people spending a lot of money. And we did a lot of business finance and stuff like that. And so I was offered the opportunity to go into one of those two roles. And I took that when I was, I think, 20 or 21. And I, I it, was a, it, was chal- it was a challenge for me. It was hard I didn't feel like it was my natural like environment, if that makes sense, especially looking back. But I just really wanted to succeed. I really wanted to do a good job. I was a little bit competitive. I wanted to get the best results, the best financial results. And I ended up doing very well in that position. I was earning about $90,000 at that point. So a big salary jump. My base salary was, it was mostly commission-based, right? So my base salary was like low and then all the rest made up with commission and that was for two to three years ish anyway the next jump is when I was age 23 so let's talk about that after a few years in that job uh it was I had it I had it good I was earning really good money but I was working long hours long, long hours, long days, and quite often only, you know, one day off a week and things like that. So at that point, I kind of decided that there wasn't, there's nothing else for me in this type of business. I'm not going to go and be the general manager or anything like that. So I left without having a plan. And during my time off, I did a little bit of contracting work to another couple of dealerships and just charged like a day rate for that. Um, And that was cool. 
And I got a phone call out of the blue from this gentleman in Australia and he'd been given my phone number by a woman that I'd worked with for about three months. She'd worked in the other finance manager role for a short period of time and she was a Kiwi and moved over to Australia and when this gentleman wanted to set up business in New Zealand, he went to her being a Kiwi and said, hey, do you know someone who could help me set up companies in New Zealand? And she said, I've worked with this woman I don't know exactly what she said, actually, but um, she gave him my number, my name and number, essentially. So I get this phone call on like a rainy July afternoon (laughs) Um, and it's this guy, Michael, who wants to set up business in New Zealand. So I met up with him. We spoke a little bit about it, talked about the opportunities that could be here. Um, It was in the finance sector. He ran a large commercial finance broking business in Australia as part of a quite a large financial services group. They did a lot of different, um, a lot of different services. They had mortgage arms, they had consumer finance, commercial finance. And what we ended up doing was with one other woman setting up a consumer finance brand called Kiwi Car Loans, which still exists now. Um, And that was in 2012. And that was the last job that I ever had. <laughs> so that that business kind of came into the market at a time where people didn't think that there was room in the market for that kind of business. And about 10 months later, he asked me, so my boss uh, based in Australia asked me if I wanted to set up another company for him, run that. And that was a commercial finance broking firm called Credit One. I believe it's still around now. I exited four years four years ago but we took that from nothing (laughs) and I was basically door knocking phone calling setting up referral partnerships I was responsible for the profit and loss of that business and so I just ran it like it was my own like I was I was paid based on the on the profit of the business so if it didn't make money I would hardly make money um so you know it was a big big responsibility especially for a 24 year old at the time um and I don't know it's it's a long time ago now so I find it even hard to kind of remember how each of those years went but it was it was hard right and my boss had put so much faith in me and he was so so incredible and we built a really really great business um great people within it across the country not just in New Zealand we had some other branches as well and we raised money for businesses, basically. We had two quite distinct areas. We did commercial finance and we did like leisure finance. So we got very heavily into like the jet ski, motorhome and caravan and boat space as well. So did some really cool stuff. Um, and oh God, cheese making equipment, like hundreds and hundreds of trucks, forklifts, diggers, Oh, I can't even like bottling equipment, brewing equipment, (laughs) so, so much. And so running that company is where I got a huge amount of my commercial experience because when you are running a business that's sourcing funds for other companies, you are getting completely into the weeds of those businesses and understanding their operations and their financial point, their financial performance. Where does this asset or where does this, you know, where does this asset fit in? How does your company make money? What do you need this working capital for? It's just so, so insightful being in 
a position like that. And ultimately, when I got to age 30, I honestly, I got a little bit rudderless probably around the age of 28 or 29. Um, financially, I had done very well well for myself by that point. And I think because I'd hit a lot of the big milestones I wanted to hit around like net worth, property, cars, um, yeah, it was sort of like, what what's next? And I think that's when I realized that I needed to go and do something that was more fulfilling. I contemplated like studying music, um, but basically I just quit at that point and I decided to have some time off, but that's how I ended up consulting. I left and people asked me to do consulting. <laughs> and so my company, Fogelberg Consulting, was born. That's the entire story. It's like I said, it's just so kind of organic. And I think the other thing that people ask me off the back of that is like what lessons I've learned or what advice I'd give from having gone through that. And honestly, it's providing like putting in the effort and showing that you're prepared to provide value. Like we can talk about privilege and advantages, like the fact that I was born in the right place. Um, I've got educated, intelligent parents um, who are together. They support me. They love me. But all I did was went out and get a, got a job, which to be fair, any person with a good head on their shoulders could have gone and got the same job that I got when I was 18. Um, showed that I was really prepared to go above and beyond and provide value. And I mean, work. Like not take not take the piss, right? Not like this quiet quitting crap that that we're hearing about, um, sort of post COVID, intra COVID, post COVID. So, I feel that it's that having a good head on my shoulders. Um, there are elements of being autistic that do give me very very distinct career advantages, but also very distinct career challenges as well. And leveraging. I don't know, your own natural abilities, like whatever you are good at. Are you good at solving problems? Are you... <laughs> My mini mouse watch just talked, sorry. Um, leveraging what you're good at, you know, all of these kinds of things. But essentially 2019, that's, yeah, that's where my life changed completely, right? Because I went from being, I mean, I was kind of employed. I was employed, but I, it was like I was self-employed because of the nature of the role that I had. I was the big cheese in New Zealand, so to speak. And then consulting in the wild world of COVID. <laughs> like, oh dear. And so that's another reason. I Just one last thing before we wrap up. Um, a lot of people say, oh, how do you make the leap from your job to consulting? Like, how do you do that? And I can't actually answer that question because I didn't intentionally make that leap. I just made the leap to not work, right? Like I felt like I was sussed and live. I'm like, I'm not working anymore. I'm done. Um, I got my like money in the bank, so to speak. Let's just like chill. Um, but it felt really necessary for me to, well, A, say yes to the opportunities that presented themselves um, f- to do some consulting when I quit work, but also just to keep my brain active, like, to keep that intellectual part of my brain going. And look, Fogelberg Consulting, that's just a whole other story in terms of how that's evolved over the last three and a half years. But hey, maybe I'll do another chat on that sometime as well. But hopefully you've enjoyed hearing all of the ins and outs of my career story over the last 16, 17 nearly years. And I hope it's inspired you to say yes to more opportunities 
whenever they come your way. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Lani Fogelberg. Depends if this is a podcast episode. Anyway, (laughs) if you enjoyed this and want to learn more about me, please subscribe to my YouTube channel or hit follow on Spotify and Apple. I hope you have a spectacular day. 